Welcome to the Binge Breakers Podcast. I'm Jacqueline. I am here to teach you how I overcame bulimia and my binge eating disorder, and how you can too. Through simple steps of mind management, repairing your relationship with yourself, understanding your habits, and intuitive eating. Disclaimer. This recording is not intended to be utilized as medical advice or a medical diagnosis. If you think you're in need of medical attention or treatment, please seek it immediately. This recording will also contain sensitive subjects such as binging and purging, weight and depression. Please listen at your own discretion and do what you think is best for you. Hello everyone. I'm here today on a podcast um, with a special guest. It is a course member and much more than that, someone who I've got to know through the course, obviously, but she's she's a real trooper and she has done so much hard work in bulimia recovery and has gone through so much so I'm excited to introduce her have her on the show particularly to show you guys the journey what she has learned and the self-reflection she's done and also um, where she's at right now because it's not all like everything isn't completely solved I think a lot of times people show the best versions of themselves or try to show this like shiny package of here's what I've gotten all fixed and we were just having a conversation about it but really like we are all still making progress and I like that you know she has that to share so anyway without further ado um Angela thank you for being on the show thank you for having me yeah of course um can I want to ask not because it's always rude to ask this, but can I ask your age? Because a lot of people out there listening, they sometimes think it's like only a 18 to 20 year old thing that bulimia is. For sure. I'm 44. So I just turned 44 a couple of months ago. And I think that was my biggest thing. It was more, I guess, shame and embarrassment that I'm still struggling at this age because you do even in it think that it's just a younger generation, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And something you said the other day is like, I should be past this. And I think that gets stronger and stronger, the older you get, because for some reason, we're supposed to think that grownups have it all figured out, even though they don't. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So um, can I ask, you know, I always love to ask people about their background. Um, For you, when did bulimia start? How did you even get into that? It's funny because I've recently been looking back at like moments where maybe there were signs. Um, And I think it, it pretty much started in high school, but there were probably signs before that just um, always not feeling good enough or always being picky with food. Even when I was younger, I kind of look back and think, Hmm, there were some signs definitely, but I think it was the biggest in high school. Um, I don't know. I kind of left a school where everybody else was going and and started out new and really only knew one person. And you kind of look at all of the popular girls and you kind of compare yourself all the time. And I think I just always, felt like I didn't measure up um and it was more I think I kind of restricted a little bit um probably mid high school and not that I was overweight but you know just a little bit more weight than I felt I needed in my eyes and I lost a bunch of weight and then everybody was like paying attention to that. Um, 
you know, they always comment, oh, you look so good and all that stuff. And mm -hmm. I think that was just kind of the beginning of it. Um, and I would say I probably looking back more restricted as for um, like anorexia and kind of got into diet pills a lot. And that was the age when I was in high school was diet pills and shakes and all of that stuff. And you mentioned something the other day, I don't remember if it was in a podcast or in the course that if you had talked about some of the rules and some of the thoughts that were going in your head with somebody else, what would they think? Yeah. Um, and I kind of thought about that because I thought if I had really mentioned that to anybody, it would have been a sure sign that there was a problem. But I think I didn't say anything because I knew it would be a problem. You know what I mean? Right. Like I you knew, I'm, I'm sure I knew what I was doing. That. Yeah. I'm sure I knew what I was doing and didn't want to say anything because I knew there would be a, like repercussions or judgment. So I just kept that a secret. Um, and I think over time with just restricting so much, it turned into binging and purging. Like, I think it just evolved, right? Because I restricted so much and then I would eat so much because I was hungry. And then that cycles kind of started. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That it became like, you know, at first it happens on accident, then it starts becoming more planned and then it just becomes more habitual over time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I for ask, sure. You know, what, um, have you, what, what past treatments or therapies, if any, have you been through? None really. Um, I never really said anything and I don't think that's the sad part is I don't think I look sick enough for somebody to step in and say anything. Um, you know, looking back, there was definitely pictures where I'm like, I was really too thin and, you know, recently bringing it up to my mom, she kind of had a feeling which was surprising and, but nobody really ever said anything. Right. Um, Interesting. so like she would say, yeah, I kind of thought so. Cause your face would be sunken in or, you know, and I thought, I don't know, no one really ever said anything about it. So right. it just continued. Did you ask her why she didn't say anything about it? I didn't. Yeah. I don't That's, know. It was always frustrating. I remember thinking, you know, people would say we knew, but then I almost remember thinking, I wish people would help me. And then feeling angry that they didn't, you know, kind of blaming other people and having that kind of mindset go on. Yeah. But then in the back of your mind, you think you don't want to tell anybody because then you'd have to stop. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You'd have to change at the very least. Yeah. yeah. And, and also that kind of brings up another question in my mind, we're kind of jumping around, but you ended up telling your husband for the first time. Can I ask what that was like for you? Terrifying. <laughs> Mm -hmm. um it wasn't I wasn't terrified to tell him because I thought that he'd be mad um I think there was this thought of if I tell people I thought that they would be worried about me all the time and worried if I go to the bathroom am I okay and then I thought 
I don't want people like all over me all the time, but to trust that I'm, you know, going through it and healing. Um, mm -hmm. So there was an, there was a bit of like a fear of disappointment, right? Right. But okay. he was really, really good about it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, people do when they have to tell someone, it's like either they're worried that they're going to be mad or they're worried that they have to give it up, like you're saying, or that they're going to be stranger on you and that suddenly your whole dynamic is going to change. So yeah. what really happened when you told him? Um, it was hard because I told him and I pretty much had a meltdown, but he didn't really understand what it was. Mm -hmm. So then I kind of had to explain without really getting into detail. Um, and he was just, he was just really like sympathetic and, you know, telling me like, I don't need to do stuff like that. Like if I'm hungry, just eat. And so it was, it was kind of hard because he really didn't understand what it was. Yeah, that's it's so cute in a way. Just being like, you don't need to. It's all right. Why are you doing that? It's like, well, it's not as simple as that. Yeah. yeah. Helped you or did it put more pressure on you or what? It was a really big relief. Like, I think I worked it up over a month. Like I thought, okay, I'll tell him. But then that weekend wasn't good. And then um, I thought, okay, I'll tell him next weekend and something come up. But once I finally did it, it was just like this whole relief of like that shame gone. You know what I mean? Like, cause I think I was holding all of that in for so long, which kind of made recovery worse. Um, so it was definitely better. And it was the same thing. Like once I finally told my mom, it was just another bit of relief gone. So it kind of made things a little easier. Yeah. I find that a lot too. It's you build these things up in your head and you put, put so much pressure on yourself, but just telling someone it gets you out of your own head and makes you feel less crazy and makes you feel like you have less to hide and less to uphold to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know, if, if he know he started to notice, like if I was kind of not really in a good mood, then he would kind of ask and make sure I'm okay. And which was nice because um, we could kind of talk about it. If, if something was, bothering me right um then I could talk about it and then get over it and move on yeah it it really it helps you it depends on the relationship you have and who you tell but sometimes if it's your close partner and things like that they can really help you work through it and not necessarily you shouldn't be forcing them to hold you accountable because that will create tension in the relationship but they yeah. will maybe ask if you're okay. And if you can be accepting of their help, then it's really good. And that sounds like what you're doing with him. Yeah. And I, you know, if I wasn't in a good space, I just kind of would tell him like, I'm just not feeling that great. And he'd ask why and I'm like, well, just, you know, and I talk about what was bothering me and he'd just give me a hug. And that was just good enough. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's really sweet. What a nice husband. I know some, some people aren't so lucky. They know that the relationship, it causes more tension, but I'm glad that that is the relationship you guys have developed around that. That's amazing. Yeah, for sure. So, so can I ask, um, trying to think, uh, when it came to seeking help, cause it sounds like this, this program is kind of the first official type of help that you got for bulimia recovery. What pushed you over the edge to actually join and take that leap? 
Um, the only, because I never really told anybody and nobody really approached me about it. Um, you know, I, I'd find books to read and try and figure it out. I'd try and find podcasts. And I, I had found a few podcasts in the past, but nothing really ever, um, resonated with me, I think. Um, and I think I just got to the point, like, I've had ups and downs with it where it was worse and sometimes it was better. Um, but of course, like the last year with the COVID and life was just kind of all over them, all over the place. It was just getting to a point where it was like really bad. Mm -hmm. And um, I kind of thought like, am I going to be 70 and still dealing with this? Mm -hmm. And in searching for stuff, I found your podcast. Um, and I started listening from episode one and there was just something I'm like looking for, like every day I would listen to a podcast, um, until I got all caught up. And that's when I had kind of, and you talked about your program and nothing I was doing was really helping. Cause I just, I couldn't understand how to apply things. Um, I was trying to recover in secret, um, by figuring out like the ultimate trick, which wasn't working. Yeah. Um, and I remember messaging you a few times, but I was really scared to just, I remember that too. Yeah. Yeah. Put it all in. Right. Um, and so I hemmed and hawed about it for a while, but I think sometimes you just, you just meet somebody and you just click and everything that you were talking about and the fact that you've been through it kind of really stuck with me. Um, and I felt comfortable with it. So I thought, you know what, it, it's not getting better because at that time, I think I was binging and purging multiple times a day, um, probably five times a week and was just not doing anything because my whole life was wrapped up in binging and purging. So I thought, you know what, I'm just going to do it because it like your whole, everything you think about all day long, right? Yeah, I think just having like taking that leap of faith in something, you know, whether it's this program or it's it's a book or it's with an actual therapist or something like that, it's you don't know if it's gonna work. But something that helps me, especially when I'm investing in, in programs myself, is knowing like even if it doesn't necessarily work the way I want it to work, I will gain more information from it <laughs> at the very bare minimum. I will know that this doesn't work for me, which you know some people could say is like not the best, but um obviously I'm glad that you took the leap of faith and it did work out for you for the most part yeah for sure yeah because I really wasn't sure I'm thinking I just thought you know what I don't know I think everybody thinks well my situation is special I've been doing this for so long I'm I don't know if I'll ever recover but I was like I don't want to be 70 and worrying about this stuff like yeah it's crazy that is a big thing people do is they think like I'm so special I, my situation is completely unique and different and it's not that they everyone's the same and people aren't unique of course they are but there's a lot of things that are similar when it comes to bleeding recovery a lot of behaviors are similar and there are special tweaks for each person but a lot of what you're hearing can be applied to you but there's something sometimes in your mind that makes you cut off to a lot of that advice because you think it won't apply to you but if you give it a chance, sometimes it actually works. Yeah, for sure. So um, after like when you joined the program and everything, what were some of the biggest challenges you were faced with right away? I think 
the the way you um like i had no problem going through like listening to all the modules and um i was actually doing the work um which was huge for me because i think the most times like i do all the reading and all that stuff and then you just don't know how to apply anything um so i dedicated myself to doing the work i think the biggest thing for me to grasp was the um stopping habit like the pause method um that was hard like to be able to recognize that it was a habit and actually stop that it didn't happen right away for me like it was hard so it, it probably took me three months to even grasp it and find a way that it would work for me um mm -hmm. but i just kept trying i kept doing the journaling um and all of that stuff but you know it just took it just took me a while to actually like have it click in my head that if i just do a little bit and the next time do a little bit and just keep going that it will actually work yeah it'll get better over time yeah the pause method like finding a way that's like the biggest for the iceberg thing there's all like these other things going on underneath but a big piece of the mystery with bulimia recovery is how do I not binge when I want to binge and you it seems so mysterious and out there but once you kind of get it you get it and you have it locked down pat and sometimes you still struggle a little bit but it gets a lot easier once you find a way that works for you yeah and I, the other thing was like once I figured that out I would be good but then if something shifted in my schedule or anything else then that would kind of bring it back on so it was like as you're recovering you you find a way to make it work and then all of a sudden like there's a wrench thrown in and you figure out okay how do i readjust after these big shifts right mm -hmm. um so that was huge for me just like busy house empty house um just kind of like shifts and schedules right yeah absolutely and not seeing that as oh this doesn't work for me anymore uh, a lot of people have wrenches thrown into things and then they think oh well all of that actually wasn't working and i just was naive and um i can't do it but you i think a different attitude and you've always had this attitude of notice in the course where it's like asking questions trying to figure it out being honest about where you're at and that allowed you to think okay, something didn't work here, but also there was a lot of stuff that was working and you would adapt and try to figure out what's going on with it instead of just giving up completely. Yeah, for sure. And I'm still dealing with that, right? Like I'm realizing that the habit of binging and purging is almost a symptom of me not doing something or life getting too chaotic. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm, in a way better place but the odd time i'm having i'll kind of have a issue and i you've shown me to kind of look at it as what's going on that's changed so i can see how it's literally just a symptom of how i'm coping to things that are kind of chaotic or maybe i'm not taking care of myself or stuff like that so i'm still learning a lot yeah. Yeah. It really is like you, like you said, a symptom. I, I love how you described it, a symptom of you not doing something. 
and something's going on there. And if you can kind of figure out what it is, instead of seeing the Vinci approaching as this big disaster, and like we were just talking about before the podcast, it's not a mistake, nothing's wrong. It's just a sign, a signal for you. Then you can really start to understand it, diagnose it, and change something, shift something, as you say. And then it usually gets better. Sometimes those binging and purging episodes are actually really helpful for you. Yeah, I used to let them kind of bring me down. Um, and I am learning, okay, this is just going to make me stronger, right? Like I have to see why this happened and kind of look at my life and change it a little or shift something or shed some focus on something that I need to change. Can I ask what, um, what are your best techniques for actually, um, you know, trying to get over binging and purging? Like, how did you pause? Well, I, I kept what I did because a lot of the times it happened on the road, to be honest. Um, and I think it was just more like, I'm alone. I'm anxious. I'm, I've got a lot of empty time. So the whole like pause method, I would, I kind of put the, there was like a pod or a pause, um, audio. I kept that on my phone. I really took my journal. So every, I got into the, every time there was something that come up, I wrote about it. Um, which did help. It didn't completely help all the time, but after a while it got used to, instead of binging, I would go to the journal and write out everything. Um, I actually took that with me. So I would, especially in the times when I was on the road, I would just pull over and then start writing. Um, and that was probably something that was huge because I really started to understand some things and just deep breathing because definitely there were like trigger points on my, on my journey on the, in the car that would be um, places I would stop at or all of that stuff that I would just kind of like objectively look at that. Um, and just kind of like really deep breathe and get past that point. And it, I would get really anxious, um, but over time that would get better. It would just kind of get less and less, um, but yeah. it took a long time. Like it was a lot of digging into the modules and the journaling and messing up and all of that stuff where it just got further and further apart. And it did get easier, like the urges got less which I didn't think would happen. That a lot of people don't think that. It's like trying to convince someone that you're going to turn water into wine. You're they're just like, I don't believe you. I think it's going to be this bad forever. And you really have to like keep encouraging them and really keep believing that no, it eventually will get better because it does. Mm -hmm. The more you're in it, the worse they get, the more space you get from it, the easier it gets. It's just unfortunate yeah. that that, that initial phase is just so difficult. For sure. Yeah. Another thing that I would do too was um, like grocery shopping is tough because you would always go down aisles that, you know, you'd buy certain things all the time. I would just have to like tailor my shopping to like avoid certain places just because the visual of it would 
be easy enough to like make me buy it and all that stuff. Um, now I can go down those aisles. It's not really a big deal, but that was enough stress in itself at the beginning um, to just not not buy the food, keep it out of the house. Yeah, absolutely. I think grocery stores are such a hard thing to manage and you really have to you have to be prepared for ahead of time and you have to really know your reasons why you don't want to grab that stuff and keeping it out of the house can be a really helpful method and just kind of being like, no, we're not going to do this anymore. Yeah. And I, I also like what you said, going back a little bit um, to how it took some time and it didn't happen all at once being okay with micro progressions in the right direction, something it sounds like you did, which maybe you weren't even aware of was being okay with it, not changing overnight and being okay with the small progress that you were making, even though it probably wasn't that small, you're probably making a lot of progress that you just weren't aware of, but being okay with it, not all happening at once and, and, and kind of looking for the small little steps along the way was something really amazing you did. Yeah, it was definitely frustrating at the very beginning thinking like, some of some of these people are getting it right away like you think I'm just why can I not grasp this but just over time I started noticing like the little little tiny things you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. and then I I just kind of like kept going until all of a sudden you realize oh I am making quite a bit of progress like I haven't done this or that in a while right so um so you struggle struggled a lot with body image and weight and kind of like not that was a big trigger for you right it's not feeling super great in your own skin yeah not having my clothes fit um was huge so of course like at the beginning you know you say you know be okay with gaining a little weight and all that stuff well that was even though I probably only put on like 10 pounds which it doesn't seem like much. It was like devastating. Mm -hmm. I was, I felt awful every single day. I hated my body every day, which other people would think, well, it doesn't look any different, but to put clothes on that just don't fit or you feel gross in and all of that stuff. It was, it was hard. It was a hard place. Um, and I did not like it at all but I love that. <laughs> I did. it was our place I did. I did not like it at all <laughs> no and I know you, you talked a lot about like loving yourself in the body that you have now mm-hmm. and that was probably like the hardest thing to go through um and so like even I found some other resources as well of just like different podcasts to learn about loving your body and um all of these things and I kind of just like definitely stopped using the scale I kind of like stopped putting those clothes on I just bought a couple things that fit pretty much like yoga pants that I felt comfortable in every day um but the hardest part I think was like looking in the mirror and like I would do that every morning or I, I judge myself every morning um so there was a lot of things that had to happen. Um, and that was a long, long journey. Like I'm probably what, eight months in mm-hmm. and I'm probably just at a point now where I'm, I don't completely love my body, but I don't hate it. 
<laughs> yeah, that's such an honest way to to do it. I think I love my body some days, and there's some days where I'm kind of like, I don't hate you, but I'm not a super big fan of you either. Um, and that that can be really normal. It's not. I think people envision that we're gonna someday be like, oh my god, I think I'm hot 24 seven, and that's not the majority for most people. Um, yeah. How did you even start to? change the way you thought about yourself when you looked in the mirror? Um, well, I did find there were a lot of resources and then I did find a, a podcast. It was literally like a 30 day podcast and it was like five minutes a day. And they just kind of talked about bodies and gave you an exercise. Um, and that didn't like fix it. That just kind of like opened my eyes to seeing my body differently. Um, but I just started to Can I ask what the podcast name was real quick. Project Body Love. Okay. All right. Just for the people listening, I'm sure they'll want to look that up. Yeah. I liked it because it was, it was simple. It was five minutes a day. Um, and it wasn't anything crazy that was impossible to do. It was just kind of opening your eyes. Um, but I also like started unfollowing accounts that were perfect bodies and made me feel like crap. Um, yeah. I started following more diversity and more, um, body positivity accounts, but I don't know. I find a lot of body positivity accounts aren't really, I find they're just perfect bodies saying, look at me. I love my body. So it's uh -huh. taken some time to find some accounts that I just feel that make me feel good. I was just going to say that um, you got to find accounts also find some bodies that look completely different than yours, but also some that it's sometimes helpful to look at bodies that look like yours too, to normalize your own body. Like for me, I remember I used to follow a lot of bikini competitors, but um, I looked up, I specifically looked up taller athletes just to see what they look like because they don't look anything like some of the shorter, more petite girls, and I never necessarily will. And that really helped me to see like, oh, this, this is more normal than I thought and normalize my own body. And then obviously follow a lot more diversity and other shapes to kind of normalize all different types of bodies. But I think it can be really comforting to find a body that looks similarly to yours that's online and they're expressing it to normalize it. Yeah. Like looking more like reality, right? Because mm -hmm. I think sometimes like the society makes you think that you can completely change your body to look just like this model, which is impossible. <laughs> like your body structure is not even the same and um, all of those things. But I think just over time, like every time I would look in the mirror, I would make sure I was looking in a full length mirror mm. because I found if I was looking at like a half one, I would usually look at the problem area in my mind it would be hyper focused but if I looked at myself in a full-length mirror sometimes I would get this glimpse of like oh that I don't look the way I think I do in my head mm -hmm. right like I yeah. get a glimpse of oh okay well I'm I'm not really looking the way I'm thinking I am um I think too like just being aware of my thoughts because you know that one podcast kind of showed me a little bit like 
when I'm looking in the mirror, what, what are the thoughts that I'm having and are they actually true? Um, even though I don't have perfect thoughts all the time, at least now I, I'm realizing that they're a tad dis disordered. Like when I look at myself compared to somebody that looks just like me and my size, my thoughts and their thoughts are like completely different. Um, yeah. And so I'm at least now okay with knowing that maybe my thoughts aren't really reality, um, yeah. which is helping a little bit with my body image, right? Like some days I'm gonna have bad days and some days I'm gonna have good days but sometimes it's just like what I'm thinking in my head. Mm -hmm. It's helping yeah, me really feel a little find, bit. I find it super comforting to also think about the fact that these thoughts might not be really be true. And some people kind of think that idea is weird, but for someone who also struggles with body dysmorphia quite a bit and this body distortion, I have the same instances where I look and I can look at someone who's the same body as me and think completely different thoughts. So knowing that not all my thoughts about myself are really they can't be maybe trustworthy then I kind of know I can pick whatever I want to think and so bad body image days I'm kind of just like oh this might not be true it's a waste of our time and on good body image days I just kind of run with it because what's the harm in running with it yeah for sure mm -hmm. and oh another thing you you said that I think I'd want to point out is when you're looking at yourself in a full length mirror or when you're just looking at yourself in general, you're exposing yourself to what you actually look like. And over time, you just do get more comfortable with someone's appearance. Kind of like you're very comfortable with how your family looks, you know exactly how they look versus strangers are a little bit different to you. Um, and so it can be really jarring for people when they avoid looking at themselves in the mirror and then they look at themselves for the first time in a long time, it can be traumatic. So actually looking at yourself more often, um, depending on how you do it. If you're body checking all the time, that's a bit different, but just looking at yourself straightforward and trying to practice thoughts around it on a daily practice can be really helpful for getting yourself more comfortable with how you look and maybe even liking your body over time. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. um, another thing that I've realized too lately is just not obsessing or like I guess look, looking at certain people's bodies and comparing, but also realizing that maybe I'm looking at them thinking, wow, they have like the perfect body and realizing they might be hating their bodies too. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I don't know, just all of these things are coming to me and I'm like, I shouldn't really be saying, oh, wow, look at, she's got like the perfect stomach or something like that because she might be at home doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's very true. I, and also it's comforting to think you're not the only one going through these things. I, I posted a video the other day and about like a really bad day I was having. And I had someone comment on it and say, this made me feel better. And the video was not much else other than me describing my bad day and then how I'm getting through it. But I think it comforted a lot of people to know, oh, she also doesn't have everything together and is also struggling in her own way. Of course I am, but people don't see that all the time. And so you thinking this person might be struggling too, just kind of adds to the togetherness, makes you feel less isolated and less crazy. Yeah, for sure. And that's another thing with the course is just kind of um, talking and 
helping support other girls and same with hearing your story and your struggles is realizing that certain things that I think, well, it should just be perfect and rainbows and all of this stuff. Like I'm probably going to not struggle with it the rest of my life, but maybe deal with it. And that's okay. Like I might not have everything figured out and it just be like, perfect right like i'm i'm probably going to have bad days body image days for a while and that's okay you know what i mean or struggle with just some food and stuff like that like it won't be perfect but at least i won't be suffering anymore right yeah i mean when you accept things it lets go of that resistance and struggle and then you figure out how to deal with the situation it's being in denial of a reality and kind of trying to be in a denial of things should be perfect. And unless they're not perfect, then it's no good. That doesn't help you, but really actually fully accepting, maybe I will have to deal with this at least a little bit for the rest of my life. That's a much better place to be in because you're kind of prepared because even if you didn't struggle anymore with it, you still know what it was like to struggle with bulimia and you still know what it was like to struggle with eating disorders in general and all the things wrapped up into that. So you're never going to be the same. And in some ways that makes you stronger. It makes you, it it can be your strong suit, even though it seems like a hindrance to a lot of people, it makes you who you are. Yeah, I think, yeah, it does. Like I've just, in just this past eight months, like I'm finally able to do and be some of the things that I've wanted to, just because I don't have this taking up all of my time. And I think there's just so much work that you're doing on yourself throughout that you kind of realize some things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, what can I ask? What are some of the things that you've been doing outside of bulimia recovery that you feel like you weren't able to do before? Um, I think just kind of focus and take chances. Um, And really just kind of put myself out there a little bit. Now, obviously, there's still lots of things that I have that I would like to do and I have work on. Um, But I've been able to just be back in the background a little bit before. Um, So now I'm realizing, you know what, I can do some of these things. um, And just kind of like scheduling my days, which you've taught me to do, is helping um instead of just getting lost and having like everything to do but do nothing (laughs) yeah yeah I hate that feeling just like I have a million things to do but I don't know what they are and I don't know how to get them done absolutely yeah yeah well it's crazy when you're having such the the bulimia vision and purging eating disorder distorted thoughts they take up so much of your bandwidth that you have in your head it's really hard to function and focus on other things but if you can just keep pushing and making room for those things bulimia has much less room to take up and over time it kind of gets snuffed out which is a really good thing for sure Mm -hmm. it's kind of crazy to think how much time i've wasted or you know what i mean just kind of like focusing all on all of that stuff before. Yeah, that's a hard pill to swallow too. A lot of people 
once they kind of get out of it, then they are like, oh my goodness, I can't believe. And that's not useful either. Right? You don't want to be like berating yourself over it because it happened. You can't change it. And it did serve a purpose, but it, it is frustrating to think about the time that you spend on it sometimes. Yes, for sure. I know I did that in the beginning too. I kind of really got down on myself for what I was doing. Um, but I had to just kind of get past that and stop thinking of it that way, which was hard, but I did. Yeah. Yeah. You really have changed quite a bit. You have obviously like so much wisdom when it comes to this, a lot of things that you've learned and it's not, it's all going to be captured in one podcast, but if someone is out there listening, I always like to ask people this at the end, someone out there listening who's struggling with binging and purging, maybe they're also, um, they've been struggling for a long time and they feel like they haven't told anyone or anything like that and they don't know where to start. What would you suggest for them? What would be some of their first steps? Um, I don't even know if I would say to tell somebody first or just take a chance and try and find something that works. Like some people go to treatment centers. Um, that's something that terrified me. So it was not something that I was going to entertain at all. Um, is find somebody that you trust completely, whether it be your doctor, um, whether it be your parents, a sibling, a friend, or like I did, I reached out to you, mm-hmm. is just finding a level of trust that you think that you can talk to somebody about it and just see what's possible. Like, I didn't think it would work, but it has helped so much. And it was worth that bit of trust to just dive in and try it because, mm-hmm. um, you can waste so much time being stuck in it forever. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good advice. I think just finding something that works for you to this, a lot of people listen to this podcast and then they go seek therapy or treatment. And I think that's excellent because just finding some sort of spark of information to do something, it doesn't have to be this, it's just anything that you think resonates with you. And then something that you actually trust that combination will really create a great environment to recover and move on with your life. So I think you're absolutely right. Just starting something, however small, even if it's purchasing a book, like anything just to get started. Mm -hmm, For sure. And to just know, like, if you don't have to look sick to need help. Yeah. I think that's, yeah, I didn't look sick at all. I, you know, at the, at my lowest weight, I was still a very healthy weight and no one would have looked at me and thought anything was wrong. And even at my heaviest weight, people didn't think anything was necessarily wrong. Even though mm-hmm. if, you, if you were to know all the stuff, you know, my boyfriend, he said something the other day when I was talking about the diet I used to have and how much it's drastically changed when I was at my heaviest. And we, I saw in the store, they had these like they're ice cream toppers this like magic shell Hershey stuff that you put on top Mm -hmm. of ice cream and I remember I was like oh I haven't had that in years but I used to go through multiple bottles a week of it and (laughs) I laughed with my boyfriend in the store and he's like yeah I did kind of think that was odd that you were 
going through so many of these, like so many red flags that like something's not quite right, but because it's not super visible, people just don't necessarily pick up on it or they don't know what to say. So to make me reiterate, you know, even if no one thinks anything's wrong, you're completely valid. You deserve to get help and don't base your opinions on what others think. Yes, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you for being on the show, Angela. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Yeah. All right. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening. Hey, if you like this episode, you have to come check out the Binge Breakers Recovery course. If you're trying to recover from bulimia and you're sick of doing it alone and you feel like you've tried a lot of traditional therapies and it's not working with you, come join the course. Go to bingebreakers.com slash recovery dash course.